0: Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where you talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Kimber Lovett-Minkiti. I'm Seychelle Van Poole. And I'm Wendy
1: Papazan. Hi, guys. Uh, we're so excited to be talking about one of my favorite wealth building ideas, yes! uh, investments, and I think something that all of us have done probably for many years, Mm -hmm. which is to talk about how to purchase and accumulate rental properties. I love rental properties. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, uh, when did you guys buy your first one? What was that story? We, um, yeah, I mean, this
2: is probably one of my favorite real estate stories. We, uh, I was 23 Um, and right before I got into real estate, I met a guy named Jeff at a happy hour that had like a hundred rental properties. Um, and I just, I didn't realize like what that even meant, right? Nobody teaches that in school. And so I was like, oh, that sounds terrible. It sounds like a lot of headaches and calls. And I know what kind of a tenant I probably was. And so I was like, Oh, it must be terrible. And he's like, I don't know. It's not that bad. I, you know, this is like in 2002, he was like, I don't know, like cash flow. I don't know, $1,000 a month off of each of them. You know, I'm thinking like times 100. I can do that math. Um, and so I started <laughs> wait, asking wait him. I was like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, 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 say whoa, more, whoa, say more. Say more. more. Right. Yep. And so I cornered him with Lone Star Beers and bought him beer all night and like cornered him, like asking him what he did. And he was like, it's so simple. He was like, you just need a little bit of cash and you buy your first property. So – we didn't have any cash because we were like 22 and I got into real estate and we didn't have any property. So we decided for our wedding to find where um, all the stores were that would let you register for wedding gifts and return it for cash. So... We went and registered all <laughs> over the place, like everything. They were like, oh, you know, it's going to be a really important decision, the things you make. And I'm like, yeah, 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 scan, 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 <laughs> like, <laughs> register for everything. And I had a spreadsheet and I like every time we received a gift, I had a spreadsheet. So I wrote it down. I sent a thank you note and then I put it to the side. And so we went and like made a total haul returning all of our wedding gifts and um, bought our first rental property. I, we kept the white sheets. I think a lamp and some white dinner plates is all we kept wow. and we returned everything else and we bought a rental in Canyon Creek in Richardson up here in Dallas, Fort Worth. And we still own it, have had the same tenants now for 17 years.
1: Wow. Yeah. What a great wedding gift. Was we bought
2: it. Yeah. Wow. So, wow.
1: That's so powerful. it was powerful a good because wedding because gift. It was a good wedding an gift. An well, of course. Wedding gift. Yeah. yeah, of course. Like think about all that stuff that would just be gone hmm Yeah, probably. You've you just been use, using it for 17 oh, yeah. years. Yeah. Probably ready to. If you it ever use used it, I still think I've wedded never in used our it. garage. Absolutely. That, like,
2: well, and it like it was such it. a it was such a good lesson on like we I think it was like 11500 dollars is our down payment. Um it was a hundred and fifty dollars house, which we bought on a six point seven five mortgage with a seven point seven five second mortgage. Um and it was 155000 dollars Uh 2000 and 7, June of 2007, hmm. about a, just a little over a year after we got married. And um, we – because we saved up a little extra from wedding gifts. And then um, we rented it out to a family that had had a bankruptcy. And um, they were super sweet, though, and he was a teacher. And um, they've lived in the house ever since, had two daughters. And uh, it's now – I think we owe 55000 on it now. Um, and – it's worth three, conservatively three seventy five today. So amazing! Not bad.
0: Not bad. Amazing.
2: Yeah, that was our first one though. So you don't need that. as much as you think you do sometimes to get into your first property. That's what I will say. True. That's
0: yeah. true. Yeah, ours was um, the house we had. Like we had, we got married was our first rental property. We moved into our second mm-hmm. house. So mm-hmm. like that, that was our first rental. Was that yeah. we decided right to buy real estate and wait. And we still have it Love today. It. Um, so mm-hmm. that was back in 2006. And so we, mm-hmm. you know, part of understanding the neighborhood, when that opportunity came on, a developer actually kind of like right got upside down in a property across the street. And we were like, oh, great, we're going to buy it. And we're going to finish the renovation. And when it was done and we were moving into it, we were like, well, what are we going to do with this house? And yeah. we live in an area, in um, Washington, D.C., where Catholic university is. So there's a huge student population. And so um, that can be both great from a cash flow standpoint and also challenging when there's like a beer pong table on what used to be like the first place you served your Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> 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 I would walk through horrified at like what yeah. had happened to this like house that I had spent so much time lovingly putting together. But it was a great, you know, space. And so we were able to then Start to build that first set of rental properties right mm-hmm. in the neighborhood where we were living. So you were like, right also able to have eyes on it and see it, and can also be interesting because the tenants were on a Saturday would be like, "There's a problem, and they know we live across the street, which was also mm. lots of fun. But yeah. it was a great way to kind of write that was the foundation of the original, like our first five properties were properties that we had owned, lived in, or were in that immediate area around where we lived, which was really fun. And we said that beer, today. beer pong story true. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, they literally cracked the granite in one of our... I mean, we've had to gut, completely gut, actually, Bose. Uh, my sister-in-law just moved um, to Washington D.C. a year ago, actually a year ago Thanksgiving, and she um, moved into a property that we bought from um, a neighbor that we went on. I went on a listing appointment for it. Seven months pregnant, we bought it. We used it for. We renovated it just enough, and it was a rental student rental for about 13 years. They had pretty much. Com- it was literally. We ended up gutting it and completely renovating it afterwards. So you have to kind of be prepared for that part of it. But yeah, it's been it's been a fun run of college house rentals. I love that.
1: <laughs> That's great. Well, and we had a we had a very similar situation. Our first house was our first rental property. And we lived in it for it was just a small two bedroom, one bath in a great area of town. And, you know, we've just been so blessed by buying in the right neighborhood at the right time here Mm -hmm. in Austin and seeing our wealth grow as a result. We bought that for one seventy five.
2: Amazing.
1: And I think last you know, last year in twenty twenty two when everything was peaking, it was about a million dollars. Just for the dirt, amazing for the dirt, yeah, for the dirt. It's a lot lower now. Our prices continue to plummet here in Austin, Texas. Everything's on sale. So if anybody's looking for a great deal, everything's (laughs) on sale here.
2: It's all cyclical. That's the part to remember. Is like, and it's only a bad time to sell it if it's when you're selling at a bad time and you need to sell it. Like, that's right. You don't have. Well, that sort of
0: gets us to the definition of a buy and hold, right? Like, what are we talking about when we say buy and hold? So it refers to a property that you're purchasing with the intent to own for a long period of time versus like if you're flipping or doing a renovation where you're rehabbing an investor might be in and out in six to 12 months or faster or a little bit longer depending on your market. But this one's one that you know, hey, I'm going to buy. I love that both Wendy... Say and I, those first properties are still in our portfolios today. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so they are longer term buy and holds. So what do you need to ask yourself, right? ladies? what would you need to ask yourself before you buy? And the first ones is like, how much free cash? I love say a story. Do you yeah. need, right? To so how mm-hmm. much free cash do you need to have, whether you're buying, renovating, and then renting? Renovating on our end, right? Always thinking it's gonna be more and it's gonna take mm-hmm. longer. Than you mm-hmm. think, right? Like, and certainly in DC, everything's old. And so we're mm-hmm. always like the contingency, we're like, that probably shouldn't be 10, it should be 20%, like contingency plan. And that's going to take longer than you think it's going to to get it back up and ready mm-hmm. for cash flow. Mm-hmm.
2: The question that we've been asking lately with kind of getting everything together is what is your longer term strategy for real estate investing? And when we first started investing, it was an equity play. It was we were less worried about the cash flow side of things. We were more worried about um, buying something in a great neighborhood at a decent price. It it wasn't necessarily the best price you've ever received, but it was a fair price that we could rent it out and, you know, make a little bit extra on it. But it was really about getting into the right areas. And so it was for um, the equity upside. And now a lot of what we're looking at buying is in different parts of the country with different like different goals. We're looking for more cash flow. So we may not be buying the best neighborhood with the best upside. It might be a little bit different of a tier of a property, but going for more cash flow instead of necessarily going for the long-term equity on a property, which is it's interesting. And sometimes you can get both, but sometimes you have to choose. And so it's good to know what your goals are going in. And, and I want to amplify Tiffany, one of our other co-hosts, Because she did a really good job of walking me through that exercise of asking that question. Since we'd always gone for equity, that now that we're going for cash flow, she kind of helped us clarify when we were reassessing our goals of, of how we wanted to look at that, which is really cool.
1: I love that. Well, and what's great about rental properties, unlike a lot of other investments, is There's a lot of ability to sort of change them to suit your needs in the, in the moment, not in the, not in the moment, but I mean, for your long-term strategy. So just to give you an example of that, we had, uh, my dad gifted me uh, our lake cottage Mm. that um, I had grown up going to, you know, in the summers as a kid. And about three years ago, we turned it into an Airbnb and we did very well during COVID. And then my dad ended up uh, deciding to move to Texas and move into an assisted living center. And so that was going to be a little tough because it was going to be a lot of you know, cash outlay for him every single month, uh, which he just really couldn't afford. And so what we did was we took that uh, lake house, which was an mm-hmm. Airbnb, and it was kind of this last year, it wasn't doing as well like a lot of Airbnbs uh, because we just we weren't really f- hyper focused on it. And then in Minnesota, you're only airbnb be and being it for you know for maybe five months. So we took that and we turned it into we did a ten thirty one exchange. We bought a fourplex in Fargo near the university, just like just like Kimbers. And now that property throws off enough cash to pay for my dad's assisted living bill every month. So it's pretty much an even swap. It's about $4,000 in cat in cash and that's about what it costs for him. And, and had we just sold that lake cabin, you know, five or 10 years ago, whenever he gave it to me, it would have only lasted a few years. Honestly, the cash mm-hmm. from that would have only lasted a few years, but we turned it into this cash flowing asset that now can pay my dad um, every single month until he doesn't need it anymore you know
0: while you're still building That's equity amazing. on the primary asset well while, while yeah, yeah while complete yeah.
1: strangers are yeah yeah yep
0: yep i love it so, really I powerful
1: really powerful um yeah so i think another thing you want to ask is like what's your tolerance for risk yeah everybody has a different risk tolerance um i know say shell you're more of a little bit more of a chicken so are you kimber yeah. i think so a little bit yeah. yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a yes. very calculated. I'm the least
1: risk. I'm the least chicken among us.
0: So. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm mm-hmm. stepping out of it, but yes, mm-hmm. I'm definitely like how much. Like. <laughs> well, I think one Whoa. of the things we found like our first like the, probably the next three or four that thankfully now we've been able to unload were, you know, in that you know 28 20, or 2008 2009 period, we bought houses that we intended to flip. Well, what happened, mm-hmm. right? The market crashes. Mm-hmm. We've renovated them, we've got tons of cash in them, we've got debt, we've got rate, like and they they weren't moving. And so mm-hmm. the rental, I mean, we actually just did this right now in D.C. in a, a one, of our, um, one of our renovations. So understanding the buy and hold potential, even if you're starting out saying, yes, this is the market looks great. Like we're going to buy like right now. Right. We're just peaking at these rates. So I think this is a big one is understanding your risk tolerance. And then what if something maybe had one use? And so those became buy and holds for us. And so now every single, even in the best markets, in our performers for flips, we are we always look at what's the market, what's the rental market, like what's the worst case here, making sure that we're, we're going to be okay in the event that we have to hold it for a few years or flip it into a buy and hold property.
1: I think that's, well, that's super a, smart. So yeah. smart. Super smart. So smart. Yeah, I actually had a conversation with... Uh, A friend of mine, his name is Tarl Yarber. He works with Brandon Turner at Bigger Pockets. I know. Tarl, he should be a pirate. Tarl Yarber. (laughs) Um, And he was telling me that he started out his career and he flipped over 275 properties and he didn't keep a single one. Wow. So here he is, you know, decades later. Lots of active kept. Imagine if he kept 10%.
0: Ten, as yeah. I say, just how many? Of those yeah, ten percent. Yeah, five well, like, percent
1: of all that's, those. That's such
2: a good like exercise, actually. Wendy is, you know, if you think if you're thinking about doing rental properties, like how much cash you really need? Like what's the actual goal behind why you're buying a property? So many people accidental themselves into landlords or somebody told them to do it. So they did it, but they didn't really have like a strategy behind it. So really coming up with like, what, what is our monthly nut? What is our actual expenses and how many of those properties would we need at a certain cash flow to all of a sudden be financially free? And then coming up with how long do you intend to keep them? I was talking to, um, Ryan, one of our business coaches today, And she and I were talking about her strategy around rentals. And they have had, you know, upwards of 25. They've had as low as three. And she said, you know, one thing we've always decided is we have three kids. We're never going to go below three rentals because we have three Mm -hmm. properties that are legacy properties that we're going to keep. And one of each of those is going to become a kid's property. So we'll never go below three rentals. But we might lever up, lever down, play with different strategies with the other ones. And I thought that was just really nice having clarity around like what that rental meant to them what the long-term hold and goal was for it, and their intended use. And I just think when you're thinking about rentals, having having some insight into what your life looks like and what you want that to be is really
0: important. Absolutely. So you got to think about, right, not only risk tolerance, but risk tolerance for dealing with, like, rehabs, contractors, tenants, mm-hmm. buyers. You really have to build your team, like, build your – your buy and hold squad. You want to make sure like you're working with an agent that knows the area. If you're not like a licensed agent in that local market, definitely getting somebody who knows the market, having your contractors, having a bench of contractors, right? Like that is probably the place where Mm -hmm. a lot of us financially, like if you have one budget, somebody goes away, there's a problem. So I think not only where they are, but what's your risk tolerance Mm -hmm. around the whole process to get them on the market and then turned over when tenants change out.
1: Well, and I think sometimes um, even if you are a licensed agent, sometimes you need an investor agent to yeah. help you.
0: Yes, absolutely. I remember
1: we had a woman on our team and she was kind of in a rental property limbo. She was just looking at so many things. And finally, I just said to her, I said, Claire, just meet with Jen and mm-hmm. um, she will undoubtedly have you in a great property soon. And within the week, she was in her contract. And this was someone who just been kind of in their head for months yeah. and months and months and months. So just get someone who can help you take action. Um, so I think that's really great. And then I think you want to figure out, are you going to manage your properties yourself, mm-hmm. uh, depending on where they are? Um, I think sometimes if you are in the situation where you're uh, moving out of your first house, that's an ideal way to really understand. What it takes to manage a property and whether you have the stomach for it. I actually recommend you you manage your first property, uh, especially if it's if it's in the city that you live in, which sounds kind of crazy. And I think you need to understand what what to hold your property manager uh, as a standard to, and then understand the work. I mean, it's really it's a lot less work than you actually think it is, especially if you've got your first one. I mean, I know when I had my first property, I probably spent I don't know an hour a month on it at the most, you know, but then what are you going to do when you get 10 plus rentals?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, what
1: does your property management strategy look at that point? You know, are you going to do that yourself? Do you, are you going to have, do, if you've got a team, are they going to help you? I still don't have a property manager for my properties that are in Austin. Uh, cause my team handles it for me and they're mostly higher in rentals. So it makes it a bit easier. It's interesting. Like I've, that was like almost like a prenup for us, like Mm-hmm. We
2: did not manage our rentals from day one, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting. I love hearing your perspective of like, I recommend you manage them, and I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not
1: like, and so it's cool. You can do it either way, even for six yeah. months. That, that's all I'm saying is because I think probably had you done that, you might have just managed it yourself. Honestly,
2: no. I mean, you know? we built up we've built up a property management company and sold it off. Like, it's mm-hmm. just not what I want to do, and mm-hmm. I also know. I mean. There's a reason why you guys have nicknamed me like blonde Jesus in our circle. It's because I can, I can be too nice at times. And mm-hmm. for tenants, I know myself and I know that mm-hmm. they will, oh, I can't pay rent. And oh, I can't do this. And so oh, I can't good. do that. And I'll believe them. And I will totally be like, oh, it's okay. You can pay late, right? Like I, especially when I was really young and I didn't have like the saltiness that I'm mm-hmm. getting now, I would have absolutely let people take advantage of me. So I, I knew salty myself- say.
0: I know, yes, you super too. salty.
2: Um, I can't wait. I'm going to be a really salty old broad. It's going to be so fun. You guys are going to be really freaked out on the podcast. Um, but I knew, I knew at 22 year old, say like I, I was not um, good enough with boundaries, firm enough, like salty enough to be able to handle tenants in that. So I wanted a professional in between me and the tenant because I knew. That I would retain more money if the ten d- tenant didn't have access to me. So I yeah. think you have to know you have to know yourself. And so for me, I, I wanted none of it because I I couldn't. I knew I was not. That was not going to be the best use of our investment for me to do it. I would probably sure. lose his money at it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, and I I, I started our first invest our first rental property came right on the heels of my first baby, Amazing. where I quit my job. Yeah. So I didn't have a full-time job, you know, for five right. years until I got back into real estate. So I just had a lot of time. We didn't have a lot, you know, it, it represented a lot of money for us um, yeah, at the time. Absolutely. So, and now some of our properties are, you know, are, I think our number one rents for $4,300 a month. So I'm like, that's wow, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Six At 10%, that's $6,000 a year, you know, so. Absolutely. Anyway, to each his own. Yeah. That's why you got to ask great. these great questions. Yeah. So That's ask
0: these great questions. Uh, I think last two, and then we'll keep going, right? What rate of return do you get from your other investments? Like, right? So I think this mm-hmm. is great. And what's the appreciation do you expect from that real estate asset? I think that goes also back to location. And sort of what's your yeah. philosophy, right? Like, do you argue, we've got, like, when you talked about the neighborhoods that you're in, that might mean going in, you're going to have a little bit more. Maybe it's not going to cash flow as much, but you're banking on sort of an upside of appreciation, the type of uh, tenant that you're going to have coming in, gaps between your tenants. If you've got an area that just turns over and continues to, sort of hold like demand in your your area or the area that you're in. Those are all things you want to know as you're thinking about what's the expectation for the performance of that asset over time. Love that. I absolutely love that. Then, you know, when you're – Considering what you want to invest in, there's
2: different types of real estate and particular rental properties that you can look at. And what we're going to focus on today is ones with humans in them um, instead of businesses, because you could also go the commercial route when you're looking at investing in um, properties like this. But for ease, we're going to talk about um, rental properties that people live in because it's a different type of loan. And oftentimes, when you're newer as an investor, it's an easier step into the investing game. So the first option is single family homes. It sounds like actually all three of us on the podcast today started with single family properties. It's oftentimes you can turn your first home into that or like we did, we that we bought our first property was our first rental, but you usually have a lower down payment. You have better mortgage terms. You can do a 30-year fixed mortgage, so it makes it affordable. Um, And so that's a really easy one. The second one is um, a multifamily, which um, would be like, I'd consider a multifamily to be a small multifamily. So anywhere between like two and six doors or two and six units. And so that could be a duplex, a fourplex, a sixplex. Um, And they can be more cost-effective because oftentimes they all share the same roof. So if you're replacing the roof It's for all six at once. Um, And the maintenance and utilities can be split between multiple people. Also, if you have one unit empty, you're still cash flowing on the rest of it, which is really nice. Um, Apartments, do any of y'all invest in apartment buildings right now? That's the third one. Are any of y'all invested in apartment buildings?
0: We have some in, in the portfolio. Some of those are parts of our development projects that sort of have a rental component, not yes. Yeah. what we did when we had sort of one-offs on the condo side. We definitely mm-hmm. um, sold those off and now have mm-hmm. more of the multifamily um,
2: assets. That's great. Portfolio. So apartments are going to be your larger multifamily units. So it's anywhere from 12 units on up to several hundred or thousand, just depending on the size of the unit or complex that you have. Um, sometimes these even need full-time maintenance managers or full-time office managers. So this is becoming more of a business for you than a passive income strategy. You're growing a business. And we talk about building a big business and an even bigger life. So that's something for you to consider. And, um, These can be subject to more strict regulations and requirements, building codes, commercial building codes, sprinkler systems, like all sorts of different things that need to exist within your zoning laws and tenant landlord laws. Um, And those can be a little bit more complex. So if you're doing larger ones like apartment buildings, you just want to be really aware of um, either who's managing it or the local laws and ordinances because you can get a little bit more sideways on those quicker um, if you don't know what you're doing. Um, and also you're usually you're getting into more of a commercial loan at this point. So your terms are going to look different. There are maybe a five-year loan or a 10-year loan on these instead of what you could do with a up to four units or four plus one, so up to five units. A lot of times you can do um, a conventional loan with that, which means your down payment is less and you're usually locked in for a 15, 20 or 30 year loan on it. So it's going to be a little bit more predictable for you. Um, And then the last one's condominiums. Um, And condos are, you know, they're similar to an apartment complex, but they're different in that it's a single piece of real estate with each door. So you have your own like deed your own, like ownership of each of those individual doors. And they're nice because they can have, like I think about, I think about like a lot of traveling executives or executives that are moving from city to city. These are really great and they'll have amenities and walkability sometimes like pools, tennis courts, workout facilities. Um, The one thing you need to know though is there's two things we found with investing in these. Number one is, Um, If you get over a certain percentage of investors versus owners in the condo complex, um, it can actually cause you to – have a harder time selling it on the back end. We owned a condo like this and got stuck with that where it was only eight units in the condo complex. And it ended up having four of them that were investor owned, which put it at the 50% line. And it was harder for us to sell it because it could only sell to an investor. So just be aware of that. And then the other thing with it is homeowners association dues or your HOA dues can skyrocket. And so that can crunch your cash flow. So just be really aware when you're, doing a condo, um, be really aware of what your HOA dues are, what your insurance and cash reserves are with the Homeowners Association, because that's how you can go sideways on those guys pretty easily. Yeah, and
0: condo doc review, depending on your your area, mm-hmm. you know, Big definitely time. you have condo associations that certainly in our area right now have really cracked down on Airbnbs, short-term rentals, investments. And so if you bought that to think, hey, I want this to be a longer-term investment, or you bought it yeah. as a rental, and then like say saying either the investor ratio goes off or you, um, mm-hmm. the association decides that they don't want that many, then all of a sudden your, your plan, yeah. someone else had the power to change your plan.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. It, that's, that's exactly a great way to put that, Kimber. Somebody else has control. Yep.
1: Yep. I love that. All right, well, number three. uh, So there's pros and cons of owning rental properties versus other investments, right? There's lots of ways to build your wealth. And I know that all of us are pretty well diversified. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, Kimber, maybe you're a little heavier in real estate percentage-wise than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But one of the benefits is is you can get monthly income. So that's one Mm -hmm. of the biggest benefits is you get regular cash flow. Um, So there's just income that's coming in every single month. It actually may be less than you think. And I would say it's a little bit harder right now to make properties cash flow. You have to put a lot mm-hmm. more money down, um, especially after maintenance and taxes and insurance and things like that. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, that's definitely one one pro is that monthly income coming in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Fannie just announced, right? So the 5% on multifamily, two to four yeah. units. So that like to, to your point, like if you're able to get in and part of what are they doing? They're trying to help where they can push income. So that's av- available for people who are going to own or occupy one of those units. So a five to a 20% down payment really does change the economics on the deal. So if that's something in your local area, it's worth checking out or checking out what the options around yeah, that. Yeah. That was just announced like the last week. Yeah. 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 It just goes into effect uh, mid-November. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. T- yeah. it's mm-hmm. definitely something to one, amplify if you've got clients who are either your own or people in your world that this may actually help them get in the game on investing. Yeah. Love that. The other is just appreciation. This is kind of the cool one. I and mean, you heard that in all three of our stories yes. that these are, it's sort of like, right, you hold real estate and wait. And so it home values go up, especially over time. There's not been a 10 year period in US history where home values in that 10 year band have appreciated. Oftentimes they might come in these like tighter concentrated areas, but over 10 years, right, real estate uh, appreciates, which is is important. So That's over amazing. three to four percent annually nation, nationwide. So understand your local area. But you also get, as Wendy said it, right, you have complete strangers paying off the debt, right? They're paying yeah. down the principal while you're building that appreciation. And I always love the math, right? Like when she talked about that $11,000 investment, but she's in building, she's appreciating that entire original $150,000 investment. So you look at the return on that, you're gaining appreciation. We talk about three to four percent annually, but on the full value of that asset, which is really it's where the fun stuff gets to happen.
1: That's why I always send my tenants a Christmas card, all of them. Yeah. yeah. I say thank it's you so for great. paying my debt off. Thank yeah. you. Thank I'm you. So grateful so, for you. We turn And Then I also say, w- Well, when you're ready to uh, <laughs> to buy yourself no, to buy wealth of your yeah. own, let me know. Yeah, okay. totally.
2: Yeah, I actually was just talking to um, a tenant of one of our rentals down in Dallas that we bought as a foreclosure in the downturn. I was talking to him this week, and we helped his family buy and sell a house, and they're going to buy again. And I'm like, hold that one as a rental. And he's like, we have four daughters now. And I'm like, or you may need the cash, but if we can keep it, let's keep it. Um, just the math I did on, so that 11500 we turned into $293,750 and if you divide that by 17 years it's basically making $17,000 a year on our 11,500 it's amazing it's not
0: bad Pretty good, man. That's not bad. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad
2: return. I'll take that. That's not many things you can put $11,500 into and get $17,500 back a year. That's pretty cool. No. Then the other side of this that a lot of people don't talk about is you get tax benefits by owning a rental property. And there's two different ways you can do this. You can be a passive real estate investor and get tax benefits, or if you happen to also be in selling real estate or an active real estate investor, there are additional tax write-offs you get. But let's just talk about it as a real estate investor for a second. So as a landlord, you can qualify for certain tax reductions for your rental property. And these can be anything, including um, your mortgage interest. So you can write off your interest on your property tax on your um, mortgage that you're paying. The property taxes, which if you live in Texas, property taxes are high. So that's a Fine. big one. <sighs> Those have been painful the last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. Your operating expenses, including your property manager. I bet manager. mine are worse than yours. Uh,
1: I don't
0: really. Well, well your to cash to flow tell. is
2: better, though. Your cash flow is better. So it's, no. no. We'll, we could do a spreadsheet comparison in a little bit. We'll do a comparison. Yeah. Ugh. Which states should you buy? And not yeah, yeah. We don't have we don't so have the state now. income tax though. So if you invest in Texas, you also want to live in Texas because we don't have the state income tax. Um, your depreciation, which is very cool. And you can either do an accelerated depreciation or depreciate it over 28 and a half years. And then your repairs. Um, so you actually get to write off, if you're improving the property, you get to write that off as well. And make sure if you are collecting rental income, it doesn't just go in your pocket. You have to report that as income. So make sure with your taxes, if you are collecting rental income on a property, you do need to report that to the IRS as income that you earned. And then the write-offs get taken off with that. So that's how you get to play that game,
0: and I think that balance. It's why a lot of times when people jump in the game mm-hmm. and they're flipping, and then they're all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're like, "Oh wait, oh, all shoot. the upside <laughs> had to come. I just I had to claim it." And the year that I received yeah. it, right? So it is like a lot of times when we are advising our clients who are like, "I want to be a flipper. I want to do," and we're like, "You're mm-hmm. you're likely mm-hmm. going to want to diversify mm-hmm. that portfolio for yes. for all of these benefits that say just mentioned." That's yes, one hundred. Well,
1: and and you know we're talking about. All, all of us have a bigger portfolio, but honestly, one additional rental property can really change the trajectory of someone's life. Absolutely, so if, if you're 100%. if you're a rent if you're a real estate agent, and you haven't purchased a your own home or b a rental property mm-hmm. for yourself, you need to make that a big goal for yourself because you guys are in the industry and helping your clients navigate that. I mean, they're going to be literally clients for life. For you, you know, it's the conversation that Seychelles was talking about, which is having that conversation with the seller. Hey, have you thought about keeping this as a rental? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course you're not going to get the listing and you're going to have a client for life because they're going to look up at some point and they're going to be able to use that rental property to pay for college. Yeah. Yeah, pay for college. Or
2: girls, that's a lot of college. That's a a lot lot of college. college. Mm -hmm.
1: Or, you know, at at the end of someone's life, Mm -hmm. right, having one extra property um, is going to dramatically change Their ability, you know, they could sell that property and turn it just like my dad did, turn it into a fourplex somewhere and Mm -hmm. use that cash flow to pay for their, uh, you know, their housing. So it's a it's a big deal. It's a big deal. We all have a big opportunity to help people. I love that. Um, all right. So next thing is you get to kind of leverage your your cash, uh, which is pretty remarkable. You know, I talked to people from other places and um, there's a lot of countries where if you buy a property, you have to put 100% down. Mm-hmm. In Russia, you got a property yeah. that's $100,000, you got to pay $100,000 for it. And sometimes people from other countries come to the United States, and they understand like, wow, I can buy a property for three and a half percent down. I can buy a a fourplex for five percent down. They almost like they're freaking out. They're like, why doesn't everybody do this? I'm like, I know it's crazy. And so, like for instance, if you want to put money in the stock market, okay. So if I want to buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of stocks, I'm gonna need a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. If I want to buy a piece of property worth a hundred thousand dollars, I only need a fraction of that—ten thousand, twenty thousand, twenty-five thousand—in order to actually buy that property. And then, um, so you just need a lot less money to kind of like get into the game. Um, so, leveraging your cash is really powerful.
0: Absolutely.
2: Thanks for joining us this week, you guys. Um, So we talked a lot today about the pros of real estate and why you want to build wealth through real estate and build a real estate portfolio. And um, if you like this episode, please share some feedback with us because the next episode you're going to hear from us, we're actually going to switch it up and we're going to talk about the the cons of real estate investing and, and the pitfalls and the traps. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 oh no, that sounds more triumphant. No, don't do that one. We're gonna show it's you our tell tell you so, so that you can triumph through them. That's true. Yes. That's true. Yes. So yes. y'all, thanks for joining us, and we can't wait to share the second part of this episode with you where we talk about the other side of real estate investing. So go out there and build a big business and an even bigger life. Bye guys. Bye. Bye guys.